Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Eric McMahon. Michigan football appears to have lost its defensive coordinator to the NFL, who might replace him. Plus, quick hoops update after a thrilling win at Chrysler. Coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Guys, as we talk here on Thursday morning, January 27th, let's let's flash back a bit. So a, a year ago, John Harbaugh presumably calls Jim Harbaugh's brother and says, hey, I've got a guy who would be perfect for your you know recently available defensive coordinator position. That was, of course, Mike McDonald, who was on staff with John and, and the Baltimore Ravens. And now one year later, John presumably calls his brother back and says, yeah, I'm going to need that guy back. <laughs> so here we are, January 17th, I looked up. 2021 is when uh, McDonald was officially announced, at least, as Michigan's defensive coordinator. And now it appears he is going back to the Baltimore Ravens. I guess, first of all, you know, if you guys could just kind of break down this move, was it a surprise? Why is it happening? Well, I mean, a lot of thoughts here. You know, it, it was Friday when when John Harbaugh dismissed Don Martindale, their, the Ravens' longtime defensive coordinator. And at that point, you know, my eyebrows kind of raised. You know, he had one year left on his deal. You start to wonder, well, why now? And then well, who's next? And right away, I thought to some of the comments Jim Harbaugh had said back in the summer at Big Ten Media Days when we asked about the hire of Mike you know, Mike McDonald's. And he basically said that John, his brother told him that he, uh, Mike was basically next in line to become the defensive coordinator at Baltimore. And if we ever moved on from Wink Martindale, he would be the guy that I would hire. So the right way, kind of, you know, things went off my head thinking, oh boy, Mike, maybe Mike is legitimately going to leave here. And then, you know, a couple of days go by and you start to hear things. And then, you know, Wednesday afternoon, I, I've been told from folks that know Mike very well and still keep in touch with him on a regular basis that he was in fact planning to leave for Baltimore. Yeah, surprise, but not a surprise. You know, you, right. you, would, you assumed coming in that Mike always wanted to get back to the NFL just because that's where he had spent most of his time. Uh, he'd been at the Ravens for what, seven or eight years. He was, you know, John Harbaugh was his mentor essentially. So why wouldn't you want to go back there? You know, it's a mix, I think a mi mixed bag for Michigan. I, I think you expected Mike to leave at some point, but you didn't necessarily expect it to be after year one. If you're Mike McDonald, though, I think this is a smart move. I mean, you you turned around a defense out of nowhere and had a absolutely stellar season for for Michigan, and now the Wolverines lose pretty much all, all most of their key defensive players from last year. Your stock's never higher, and then you get to go back to the NFL where the grind isn't as it's not as much of a daily grind. There's no recruiting. Um, you can have a little bit of an off season, and he's also like a newlywed too, a younger guy. So like, I mean, I'm sure that's important to him. So yeah, I I, I think that. This, this move makes a lot of sense for him and, and he did what he was supposed to do in Ann Arbor and, and might as well capitalize when you're when your stock's high because if, if Michigan has a bad year this year and isn't able to sustain the success they had last year, who knows what happens with with the stock? So I, I I'm not surprised, and and I think it's it's a, a good move for for Mike McDonald. I'm glad you brought all that up because I spoke to someone last night. I, I don't want to divulge too much because I might give away who it is, but someone who was in the program last year and around Mike McDonald quite a bit, and they surmised that Mike wasn't a big fan of the whole recruiting thing at the college level. And you hear that a lot from coaches that you know either spent time at the you know, the college level and then spend a lot of time at the professional level. It's just, it's just a different beast. You know, a lot of times you hear, whether it's the NFL or any other professional sports league, a lot of times you hear from coaches who spent a long time, you know, whether it's the NBA or the NFL and, 
you, they don't want to go back to the college level because they don't want to deal with recruiting. It's it's a never-ending process. You don't really get much downtime. And as you mentioned, Ryan, you know Mike McDonald just got married last summer, uh, so he's in the process of like you know I would assume starting a family. He's got a wife now, so there there is that need for family time. And you just I mean you get that at the college level, but you don't get as much of it. And, and the downtime is a big deal. And if you can go back to the NFL, it's one of the reasons why a lot of folks prefer coaching at the NFL level as opposed to college. And yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned recruiting too, because I actually wrote about this a couple of weeks ago and how like the assistant coaches fared on the recruiting trail this year and who was responsible for bringing in each recruit in the 2022 class. And Mike McDonald wasn't listed as a primary recruiter for any of the defensive prospects. And a part of that is, is because, I mean, he, he was a first year guy too, had no previous college experience. So obviously you're going to hand off some of those duties to some of the more experienced veteran guys, but it, it was kind of telling that your defensive coordinator isn't the guy that's going out there and landing some of these big name prospects. So it definitely seemed like he was more of a scheme day-to-day type of guy than, than a guy that loves to go out there and just interact with the talent and go recruit. So yeah, that that's a good point and also not surprising at all. And one quick nugget real quick too. One of the things that actually tipped me off to this whole move was a few days ago, I noticed Mike McDonald was no longer on the recruiting trail. Uh, a former graduate assistant on Michigan's coaching staff by the name of Dylan Roney, former analyst at, I think, Illinois. He'd been on Michigan staff now the last year or two. He was actually on the recruiting trail for Michigan the past week. And he was down in Georgia, typically in an area where you would think it would be Mike McDonald's uh, recruiting area. Mike wasn't there. He wasn't, he'd been essentially gone off the road. So when you, when you start to see, you know, the dots start to connect. You start to wonder what's going on here. And that's kind of what brought us to uh, yesterday, Wednesday afternoon and, and the news that he's expected to depart Michigan. It sounds like by the end of the week, maybe early next at the latest. So, you know, Michigan's defense drastically, you know, turned around this past season. They shaved a hundred yards off of their, you know, average per game uh, as far as what they were allowing for 2020 to 2021 with McDonald leading that. But he was he was part of it, um, you know. As we've discussed many times, Harbaugh overhauled his staff uh, last offseason. Six new assistants overall, and including four on the defensive side. So McDonald was was part of that. But you had a new safeties coach, a new defensive backs coach, uh, a new linebackers coach, and you know, might one of those other guys be McDonald's replacement, or could it be even even more recent hire to the staff? There, there's a lot of possibilities here, Aaron. You broke it down in a story for M Live. Uh, dot com this morning, but you know, for people that don't want to read and just want to listen to our uh, analysis here, I guess, yeah. What, what are, what are you and then you know Ryan as well thinking about you know possible replacements? Yeah, I want to preface this by saying this isn't, this may not necessarily be the roadmap Jim Harbaugh chooses, but it, it makes the most sense to me, you know. And it's basically an essentially an internal promotion or hire here. You know, mm-hmm. keep in mind the the timetable for you know hiring a new uh, coordinator, you know, new coach, let alone coordinator, is is shortening. I mean, the coaching carousel has is basically stopped at this point. Yes, there are plenty candidates out there and guys Jim Harbaugh could go to. But at this point in time, given the, the quick turnaround here, spring practice is set to begin, you know, give or take six weeks from now, you need a, I would, I would presume Jim Harbaugh would want a new defensive coordinator in kind of, you know, in and learning and, and getting things going ASAP. And to me, that signals more, more likely an internal promotion. Two guys I'm looking at obviously are one who's been on the staff now for a year in Steve Klinkscale, you know, defensive backs coach, passing game coordinator. He has an interesting wrinkle in his contract and Michigan hasn't confirmed this or updated his title just yet, but you know there was a, there's a clause in his contract when he signed last year that basically said if Michigan's passing game 
you know, ranked in top 25 nationally during the regular season in, in the 2021 season, he would be at, given the title of co-defensive coordinator. Well, Michigan finished in the top 25 in passing yards allowed, so it's assuming he's going to get the co-defensive coordinator title anyway. So it sounds like Link Scale is going to be more involved. You know, now he was last year. That's not to say he wasn't, but whoever Jim Harbaugh ends up, you know, making the defensive coordinator is probably going to be in a tandem thing anyway. And if you look at his recent hire, that defensive line, Mike Elston, guy who's been around a long time, some major programs, he was in Notre Dame for a while. There's been reports out there that he clearly wants to become a defensive coordinator, and he was a little put off when he wasn't. He was kind of passed over at Notre Dame for the role, and that's one of the reasons perhaps he came to Michigan. So those two seem to make sense to me the most. That being said, and as I mentioned at the very beginning of this, don't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh looks outside the box here. You know, there was a report today from Sam Webb at the Michigan Insider that Jim has reached out to Larry Foote. He's now currently the outside linebackers coach at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He could be an option. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if Jim, you know, kicked the tires with some names of the past, whether it's Vic Fangio. Remember, he was defensive coordinator Kick for the Arm. tires with foot. I like it. <laughs> yeah, right. But I mean, Fangio makes sense too. He was former coordinator for Jim at Stanford and the 49ers. He's a well-known name. Heck, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Jim to reach mm-hmm. out to Wink Martindale. Now, I don't know if Wink would come. Again, we, we just talked about the leap that it takes going from the NFL to the college level. Who knows if you want to do the recruiting grind, but he's certainly capable of doing the job and he's very well regarded. And there's other names out there. I mean, you could look at names, guys that have been fired, you know, recently. Jimmy Lake at Washington, a defensive mind. He's been successful there before. So there are names out there. It wouldn't surprise me if Jim reaches out to some of them. But to me, the most sense would be perhaps promote one of the you know, one and or both of the guys already on staff and then hire a defensive line coach. It's just a lot easier. Very different spectrum there between Larry Foote and, and Vic Fangio. Fangio has been around seemingly like forever. And then Foote, who, I mean, he's only been a, a coach since 2015 and all his, his linebackers coaches in, in the NFL. So not much experience there, but he's obviously a, a Michigan guy, played played the uh, linebacker position for a long time in the NFL. So that, that would be quite the leap to go from there from a few years as a linebackers coach to DC, but I mean, basically Mike McDonald followed a, a similar path. So we'll see what happens. But what I'm most curious is whoever takes over, how much scheme wise is this defense going to be different? So, I mean, last year was a huge adjustment for, for these guys, I'm sure to, to go from Don Brown's defense to, to Mike McDonald's. And are they going to have to kind of go into a completely different defense now and learn a whole new system? That'll be, that'll be interesting to see because like spring balls right around the corner too. Yeah. It's important to point out Michigan is losing a lot, you know, a lot of defense yes. side of the ball. I mean, they, They've lost several starters now, so it, it wouldn't be a um, it wouldn't be a total shock if they're completely overhaul the defensive you know, sc- scheme. In, in fact, if they were to do that, now would be the time because you've got so many different guys that have left, and you can kind of you know mix and match and do different things with guys, as Mike McDonald's shown that you can do. But it's gonna it's gonna take you know a a mind that I think has as a clear path and a clear plan to come in here and, and and get the job done like Mike did. You know you can you know criticize Mike on the recruiting trail or whatever the case may be, but he came in here and got the most out of his players when we thought maybe you know it would take some time for them to get going he did a very good job so you know we'll see what happens here that's why to me it makes the most sense just to promote someone just you can kind of keep the continuity and keep things going a lot of the players love clink scale he has been a defensive coordinator in the past when he was at cincinnati for a year so he has experience doing so and you, you, you pair him with a veteran mind like mike elston who's been around a while by all accounts is does a very good job of of de- 
developing defense alignment and does a good job on the recruiting trail, uh, you know, could be a good one-two combo. We'll see which way Jim goes. I suspect he's going to have to move quickly. We do have to wait from this hire to be made official with Baltimore, Mike McDonald, assuming it will be. But, you know, like you said, I mean, spring practice right around the corner. They're going to have to make a decision, you know, quicker than than usual. Kind of sucks for us, too, because I, I really enjoyed covering Mike McDonald this year. He had a, kind of a dry sense of humor to him, but he was also very knowledgeable about the game. And, and it was a, a fun interview every time we talked to him, it seemed like. So that, that part's going to suck for us. Well, there you go. But. Yeah, I mean, it's whoever gets this job, it, it's a tough task because you step into a team that loses, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajavo and Dax Hill and others. They, there's a lot of pieces that made that defense really good that are gone. And, and at the end of the day, that probably counts more than, than any coach or scheme. But, you know, to what Aaron said earlier about Elston coming from Notre Dame, I'm hearing the same thing for my Notre Dame people. So I don't know how frustrated would he be if then immediately a job opens and he doesn't get it. But, you know, at, at the same time, maybe he already was tipped off to this possibility. And, and that's part of the reason that, you know, lured him to Ann Arbor. But either way, with Clink scale, it sounds like, yeah, it's got to be a, a, a co-deal because it sounds like contractually, that's how it's going. Now, interesting enough, I, I see Michigan at 27 as far as yards per game allowed through through they the air last year. Regular season. Regular season. Yep. I was just going to say they got yep. hurt maybe by that Georgia game at the end because it's only a half yard separating them between, you know, the tw- 25th ranked team. So that that would make sense. So there you go. All right. Well, yeah, that's that's something to, to watch for. Of course, it all hinges on, uh, you know, we've gone this whole podcast so far without talking about, you know, Jim Harbaugh specifically, but, you know, assuming that he's he's still the head guy and again all these moves to me they they signal that he will be but you just don't know he's not gonna you know the nfl again isn't isn't on it on jim harbaugh's timetable and that's another thing you got to keep in mind you know in the search for a new defensive coordinator is how many guys from the outside are going to be willing to take the chance and uproot their family and come to michigan not knowing what jim is going to do now maybe they do like you said maybe jim does Mm -hmm. tell them straight up like yeah i'm staying don't worry about it but if there's any inkling inkling of like you know him potentially leaving i don't know how many folks are going to do all that you know uproot their family and move to michigan Michigan for, you know, a, a certain short period of time, because at the end of the day, the contractual things won't matter much because a lot of these new contracts and it, you, we, it spelled out in Mike Elston's deal, who we got yesterday, all the details are up at mlive.com slash Wolverines, but there's a clause in Mike Elston's contract and several other Michigan assistants, a lot of the newer ones where if Jim were to leave Michigan and or get fired, their deals are gone. Like they can, they can, they, they don't have to pay a buyout. They can just leave and get another job. Now that's fine for guys who don't necessarily have jobs right now, but for guys who, you know, have better situations or better offers or, or potentially could come from another school or program, that's a little bit more risky. So it, mm-hmm. it, that should that will also impact a potential defensive coordinator hire as well. All right. Well, that, that kind of closes the book on, on that for now, but stay tuned for more. There was a an exciting men's basketball game last night at, at Chrysler as Michigan came back and beat Northwestern 72 to 70. I mean, this game was real close for the first, you know, 22 minutes or so. Then Eli Brooks has this little spurt where he makes a three. He steals a pass. He goes in for an and one. Michigan hits a couple more threes. Suddenly they're up 11. But then, you know, Northwestern kind of chips away. Next thing you know, there's five minutes left in this game and Northwestern is up seven points. Um, and, you know, the win probability graph on, on Ken Palm says that Northwestern at that point has an 80% chance of winning the game based on, you know, historical data uh, as far as time and score. But of course, it's Michigan that, that, you know, keeps its composure and makes a run and even without 
Hunter Dickinson and then Musa Diabate fouling out. I thought they yeah. were done when they both fouled out. I'm like, there's there's no way Michigan wins this game. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Juwan Howard said. I bet a lot of people were thinking that. Um, and instead, you know, they hit some big shots. They get stops and they make their free throws. You know, only little blip was kind of rebounding off of Northwestern's free throws. But um, yeah, they close it out and they, they get the win three in a row, which th- th- this would not have been a season ender. There's no such thing as Jan- in January as, as, you know, must win games in college basketball. But it would have given away a lot of the momentum that they had built, you know, with more difficult wins. And when you think about it, as far as Maryland and then on the road at Indiana to then give it away to a Northwestern team, you know, that, you know, two and six in the, in the Big Ten. So this was this was huge. And it just gives them even more momentum entering Saturday's game at Michigan State. And Northwest, like people like are down on Northwestern, but I mean, the, their losses this year, I, we talked about this before the game. I mean, they've had a lot of close losses. They beat Michigan State. I, I think this is a, a better Northwestern team than, than people give, give them credit for. So I, I think yeah, to, to win this game, and, and even if it was, was a little bit ugly at times, I think you, you, you have the path that you continue this momentum now moving forward. I was just going to say that I think this Northwestern team was, is a lot better than the record indicates. You know, they're a scrappy bunch. They've got some playmakers I'm, I'm really impressed with, you know, and, and that's not and that's kind of been, the I think, the DNA of previous Chris Collins teams too. But yeah, they were a scrappy team, good team. Don't be surprised if they, they turn the corner at some point. But I do have one more comment from last night's game. The refs got to swallow their damn whistles, man. There were just so <laughs> many, and not, and not just against Michigan, it was both sides oh, of the ball. Both sides. Yeah, it was, the game was, I, and I, I, you know, when you're watching games like those, they, they, they almost become unwatchable. You got to flip the channel because it's like every every time down the court, there's a whistle, stoppage of play. It just kills momentum of the game. I mean, that's not why people watch the game. Like, swallow well, your damn whistle. 46 of them, and there were none for the first four or five minutes of the game. So they really made up for, for lost time there uh, after a nice free-flowing start to the game where both teams were scoring. Um, in the end, yeah, two Wolverines fell out. They're starting front court. Northwestern lost a, a starting player. They had two others uh, limited by four fouls it was it was kind of a a disaster but you know so be it michigan in the end uh you know come, comes away with the win and you know we learned today that the game against purdue uh, has been rescheduled. Interesting enough that the Purdue was the second game that they lost. You know, Michigan State was first, and yet Purdue game gets rescheduled first. But so be it. February tenth, they will they will play. And you know, it's interesting because Purdue was supposed to play that day. So if you know, as far as like when I started looking at oh, when, when do teams have open dates? Well, Purdue didn't have an open date then. They had a game that day, but they've moved that game. So you know, now for Michigan, it means they play the fifth, the eighth, the tenth, the twelfth, four games in eight days, three games in five days. It's a similar stretch now for Purdue too, but it's interesting. You know, the, the Michigan State game, again, they're supposed to play in East Lansing this Saturday, but the one that was lost in Ann Arbor, you know, there, there's a stretch there at the end of February, early March, where both teams are are off for, you know, uh, five, six days or so. So they it, it could be squeezed in then, or as we just saw, other team, you know, other games could get moved in order to, uh, you know, fit that game in. But you can trust that the Big Ten and, and both schools will do whatever it takes to, to make that game possible. There's also the possibility of down the road, a team that Michigan or Michigan State was supposed to play then has a COVID issue and suddenly they're open at the last minute and, and they schedule the game. So that's also a possibility. The The women's team, meanwhile, they, they embark on what should be a very exciting two game stretch tonight at Ohio State, number 22. And then come Monday, will be new rankings. But as they stand right now, Indiana is six, Michigan is seven battling for the top spot in the Big Ten, and and the Hoosiers come 
to to Chrysler. So, you know, that that should be very exciting. And also tonight, the NCAA tournament selection committee unveils the top 16 seeds for the women's bracket. What does it mean right now? Not a ton, but it kind of lets you know where you stand and and certainly expect Michigan to be among those teams announced. And it would be, you know, the highest seed in program history because so far that is last year when they were six seed. But the difference between a top four seed and not is you get to host in the first two rounds. I mean, that's just so huge in the women's side is you get to play a, cu- a couple home games. So Michigan has never gotten to do that. And it, you know, basically what tonight will confirm is that they're on the path to getting there. They're, they're halfway there, but um, you know, a lot of games to be played still. I think that, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of the Wolverine confidential podcast, but stay tuned for more coverage on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening. <laughs>